The following is a presentation of Remnant. Hi, this is Jerry from Remnant. Let's be honest, this life can be hectic, draining, and downright confusing. My hope is that by listening to this message, your life can be impacted by God's great love for you. And His love will give you wisdom, courage, and strength. Thanks for listening. You're listening to a message from Pastor Jerry Godsey. Happy, uh, happy Resurrection Day. And that's what we're celebrating today. Friday we celebrated the cross and the sacrifice was made for us. Today is the day it all pays off. Because if Jesus had just died on Friday, well, we wouldn't be standing here today. But he rose. He rose. And that gives us hope. So if you've got your Bible, turn to John chapter 20. The, this, the message today is the risen one. And I want to look at Mary Magdalene today because I think it's important for us to see somebody that was just like us. Here's all the social media stuff for today. There is none. Or <laughs> I knew I was going to do that because that's what I thought of. The risen one, hashtag the risen one. Hashtag Facing Jesus at Jerry Godsey at Remnant Church. Please, please use your social media during the message. Yes, that was my wife that laughed at me back there. Look at John chapter 20, starting verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman... Why are you crying, the angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying, Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them this message. Give him his message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Let's pray. God, thanks. You're so good to us, Father. And what a day we celebrate. What a day. God, I pray that you'll speak to each one of us today, that we would see the risen Savior. God, that our lives would be challenged by what we hear. Father, let my words come from you today. Bless us now. We ask it in your name. Amen.
By the way, as an aside, not only is today Easter Sunday, today is the 11th anniversary of Remnant Church. We started Remnant on a Palm Sunday, April 1st. We figured April Fool's Day was a good day to start a church. And, and true story, I preached the, the first message that, of, of Remnant. I preached it that Sunday. Um, and I was working with the sheriff's office then. So I may be the only pastor in America that has processed a vehicle for rape evidence and then gone and preached the first sermon on Palm Sunday in a church. So I have... It, I have a weird life, or had a weird life. Now, now I just hang out with cattle and live up in the mountains. I can, I can deal with that better, I think. Yeah, it's still weird. You know, I'm your ride home. I, I don't know if you're aware of that. Being kibitzed from back there. The story of Mary Magdalene meeting Jesus at the tomb is only found in John's gospel. And I'm thinking that that Mary must have told John about it, because there's a lot of detail here. But think about it. A weeping woman shows up at an empty tomb, and she just kind of stays there. And she wonders what's happened to the body of the one she loved. I got a tickle in my nose. And when Jesus suddenly appears, she doesn't recognize him. She doesn't know who he is. And she grips him so tightly that he says, hey, you can't hold on to me. I haven't yet gone to the Father. And the whole thing is tied together by the mourner becoming a missionary. The person who came weeping left rejoicing. The person who thought that all she would find is death found resurrection and hope. That's the story of Easter. So I want us to look at Mary Magdalene because she's an, amazing, she's an amazing person in the New Testament. And there's a lot about her, but we don't really know much about her. And there's a lot of things that have been said. She's one of at least five different women named Mary in the New Testament. Evidently, it's a pretty common name. Mary Magdalene is called that because she came from the village of Magdala on the shores of Galilee, of the Sea of Galilee. She was one of a group of women who followed Christ in his ministry. We're told that Jesus cast out seven demons from her. Luke 8, 2 says that, by the way. That Jesus cast seven demons at her, or the King James put it, seven devils. I like that, seven devils. We don't know how she got into that predicament. We don't know how they came to, to roost in her. But I can guarantee you, if having one demon is bad, having seven is seven times worse. And she was freed. She was freed because Jesus set her free, and from then on, she followed him. Here's the thing about Mary. She's a lot like us. Mary had a past. Anybody here got a past? Maybe one you're not proud of? Maybe one you just as soon forget? Maybe one you wish everybody else could forget? You ever have a family thing that uh, maybe you did something really stupid and it shows up all the time? People keep reminding you of it. I got brothers and sis- I got brothers, and I, I guarantee you, if you do something stupid in front of one of us, we will remind you about it. My brother Greg is still famous for smelling the hay. 
I was, we were on our way to Oklahoma when I was a kid, and I, re, I was telling this story about how I remember having a dashboard in the back of the car, and I was driving. I really do remember. It plays like a videotape in my head, and I remember that little dashboard and the, the, the driving thing, and, and my brother Greg says, you know what I remember about the trip to Oklahoma? I remember smelling the hay. And we all looked at him because my mom was pregnant with him at the time. He wasn't even alive yet. He was in her stomach. We didn't know if he had like a little snorkel or something that he was smelling the hay with. So to this day, to this day when Greg says something, I say, ah, you're just smelling the hay. So funny, Jerry. It's hilarious. Trust me. It's hilarious. But Mary had a past. If you remember when I spoke on John chapter 8, we talked about the woman caught in the act of adultery. There are some people who believe that she was the woman caught in the act of adultery. There's no hard evidence for that. Others suggest that maybe she was the sinful woman in, in Luke chapter 7 who, poured the, who anointed the feet of Jesus. But there's no evidence for that either. But here's one thing is for sure. In church history, she has become a symbol of somebody who repented and had their lives changed by Jesus. Now, understand that word repented, we, we say it a lot. But to repent literally means to change your direction, to change your ways. We say, I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, that's kind of weak. Repentance is going the opposite. I was headed this way, and I realized, oh, that's not good, so I turned around, and I went the other way. That's repentance. If you're living your life for your own ways, your own way of doing things, and you're just thinking that you're the only person you have to answer to, and then you're confronted with the, with the truth of Christ, you have to repent. And that means you're going to go the opposite direction, and now he's going to be in charge of your life. He's going to make it better. That's the way it's got to work. Here's the one thing we know. Whether she was the woman caught in the act of adultery, or the woman who anointed his feet with oil, or whatever... She is a great example of John 8.36. John 8.36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. I don't care what problems, what issues you came in here with today. If the Son sets you free, you're free. Now, unfortunately, you can also go back to Him. God ever taken away a bad habit from you, then you went back to it? You ever go on a diet and then go off your diet? I mean, I'm, I'm no, not, I have. I know none of you have because you're perfect people and nothing butter wouldn't melt in your mouth and uh, things like that. When Jesus hung on the cross, it was Mary Magdalene who stayed with Mary, his mother. When they took his body down from the cross, she was there. She saw his broken, abused body with all the blood and all the gore that came with it. When they put him in the tomb, Mary Magdalene was sitting on a rock ledge watching it all happen. In fact, they have said that Mary was first at the, first, last at the cross, first at the tomb. Think about it. She watched the man who meant so much to her. The man who, 
who cast demons out of her, the man who changed her life. Maybe the first man in her life that never asked her for anything. She watched them crucify him. She watched them put him to death. And that's the woman who showed up at the tomb. The woman who thinks that now her life is over. What now? She shows up at the tomb early on Sunday morning because after the Sabbath was over, she went and bought spices to preserve his body. They were in such a hurry to get him in the ground, in the tomb, that they didn't even give him, give him time to, to process his body. They wrapped him in the cloth and they stuck him in the tomb. So the idea was they would come back early Sunday morning and, and add the spices and the oils to somehow preserve his body. And when she got there, he was gone. And see, there's a lot that happened on that Easter Sunday morning. Jesus rose from the dead sometime in the pre-dawn hours. There was an earthquake. Stone rolled away by the angels and Christ came out of the tomb. The soldiers get knocked unconscious and then flee for their lives. Then Mary shows up. When the women found the tomb empty, they were confused. Can you imagine going to the tomb and thinking you're going to find Jesus' body and you've got all these, these spices and these oils and things and you show up and, and um, there, there, there's nobody there. That would mess with your head. That's all part of Mary's past. Think about all of that crashing down on her. Think about all the things that she's thinking as it goes on. She's confused, she's bewildered, she's in shock, she's frightened, she's brokenhearted. And yet there she was. A few years ago, Craig Barnes wrote an article called Easter in an Age of Terror. And he said that Easter is both good news and terrifying news. It's good news that Jesus came back from the dead. It's terrifying news because it makes us confront death. Firsthand. We're not really programmed to deal with death. We're not good at it. We were never meant to handle death. We're supposed to be living in the Garden of Eden. I'll let you decide whether you're going to blame Adam or Eve for that, but uh, I guess it depends which side of the fence you're on. I tell people when, when they lose a loved one that your mind is going to go through its card catalog of emotions. It's called a grief reaction. And you're just going to, one day you'll be happy, the next day you'll be sad. And you might even get mad at the person who died. And that doesn't make any sense to you, but you can't help it because that's the way you feel. And what it is, it's your brain trying to figure out how to process loss that you were never meant to understand. And we're not good at it. The biblical account of death says that people watched it from a distance. Most of the disciples stayed far away and watched it from a distance. And that's the way most of us look at death, too. We want to stay far away. We want to stay as far away from it as we can, like it's contagious or something. i got to be honest with you. I love my grandma. My grandma was my favorite person in the whole world. When she passed away of Alzheimer's, I hadn't seen her for the last couple of years of her life. Because I 
couldn't bring myself to see her that way. We are not made to handle this. But we have to confront it. Sometimes death knocks at our doors. Death is never easy to deal with. Most of the time, we try to postpone it. Think about all the things you're hearing about now. Now you can get DNA testing through the mail, and you can get these vitamins. They'll help you last, live forever. I, I don't know I want to live forever. I'm, I just turned 59. That's the oldest I've ever been. I don't mind getting a, li- I don't mind getting a little older, but, you know, George Burns said he wanted to live to be 100 because very few people, he figured if you got to 100, you'd live forever because very few people die after they're 100. Very, pe- very few people make it to 100, but some of you are like, maybe we would live forever. No, it's not the way it works. Mary's dealing with death face first, though. She's there. She's going to handle it. She's overcome her fears, and that's why she's standing at dawn at a tomb, and that's why she didn't understand what's going on. Let's look back at our story, John chapter 20, verse 11. Mary's standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stopped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying, the angel asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. See, I've got to believe at that point Mary was overcome with sorrow. Just overcome by sorrow. Where, where is he? Why have they done this? Why are they messing with him? Isn't it bad enough they crucified him? Why'd they take him? But she forgot. She forgot that something more was going on. She had loved Jesus in life, and now she loved him in death. She served him in life, and now she meant to, to serve him in death. She was there at the tomb alone because death could not destroy her love. Some of you got up this morning, maybe, and you remembered some friends or loved ones who have passed. See, the question that comes along is why? Why would Mary stay at the tomb? If she looks in there and he's gone, why stick around? If you've lost somebody, you know why. Because you want that closeness. Many of you will go today to the tomb of a loved one and stand there. You may carry on a conversation. You may tell them how much you love them. You miss them. It's how we deal with grief. It's how we deal with loss. And Mary wept because the tomb was empty. And she's weeping because the tomb is empty, and if she had thought about it for a minute, she would have remembered that that empty tomb was good news. That empty tomb isn't bad. It's good. See, the fact that Mary is weeping over the empty tomb tells us this, that evidence alone will never persuade anyone. Unless the evidence is accompanied by proper understanding and an open heart, no one will be changed. You know, people tell me, you know, you know, prove to me that there's a God. You know what? Unless you've got an open heart, 
there really isn't any way to prove it to you. I do follow it up with, okay, well, you proved me there isn't one. I used to do this with, with high school students. I would draw a big circle. And say, okay, this circle represents everything that can possibly be known. You know, where lost socks go in the dryer, um, you know, the, the mosquito population of Imperial Valley in August. I mean, everything that could possibly be known. And then you draw a line across the center of it, and you darken in half the circle. You say, okay, this half of the circle, I'll give, you, I'll give you credit, way more credit than you deserve, and say that you know half of every single thing to be known. If you know half of every single thing that be known, you would be killer at Jeopardy. Alex Trebek would just hand you the keys and say, here, it's yours, I can't do this anymore. But how do we learn? We learn by experiencing and by being exposed to something. Maybe God exists on the half that you don't know and haven't experienced yet. If you're really seeking, that, work, that makes sense. If all you want to do is argue, that doesn't make any sense. I don't argue with people about Jesus. I just don't. I tell them about his love. I tell them about his death and resurrection. But I'm not going to stand there and argue, debate minuscule points with you. It's just not. It's tedious and I don't like doing it. My grandpa used to say that answering critics was like teaching a pig to sing. It doesn't work and it annoys the pig. I think sometimes just arguing over religion, it just, it just annoys the pig. I want you to think about this, though. We do the same thing that Mary did. Mary went to the tomb, Jesus was gone, and she wept because the tomb was empty because she didn't remember that Jesus said the tomb couldn't hold him. She didn't remember that Jesus warned them ahead of time, hey guys, three days, I'm going to be right back. How many times have we gotten ourselves in situations or things have happened to us and we forget all about God's promises? How many times have we been faced with trials or faced with hurts or things that hold us back And instead of remembering that God promised us that he would love us and keep us, we forget. And we get filled with sorrow. We throw up our hands, oh, I'm going to die. This one, this is it. This this is finally the big one, Martha. It's going to kill me. No. God's in control. See, that's why I want to talk about Mary this morning. Because we're all Mary Magdalene. We've all had our Mary Magdalene moments. We weep over our circumstances, but if we had God's perspective, we wouldn't weep at all. We would remember God's promises, and we would have peace. And if if you're here this morning, and you're faced with things, and, and, and they just seem insurmountable, you need to remember God's promises. Get into your Bible. It's amazing how often we quit reading our Bible when things get rough. Man, that's the one place you ought to be. 
That's God's word. He's going to speak to you through it. Dig in. Think about this. If Mary had gotten her wish, if Jesus had been in that tomb, the body of the dead body of Jesus had been in that tomb, we wouldn't have any hope. We wouldn't have any hope because our hope lies in the risen Jesus, not the dead one. I want to talk about Mary's love. Look at, look at John 20, verse 14 and 15. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go and get him. Why didn't she recognize Jesus? You ever meet somebody that you think you know, but they're in the wrong place? You know, like, I'll never forget when I was a teacher. I was teaching school. The first time I saw one of my students at a store, one of them said, you go to the grocery store, Mr. Gatsi? Yeah. Yeah, did you think I got this big just because things were just, like breathing through the air or something? Yeah, I go to the grocery store. It was just shock on their face. They were, I was out of context. They were used to seeing me in class, and that was bad enough. And then they had to see me in a store, and like, now I can't go to this store anymore. Mr. Godsey comes here. Mary came looking for a dead body and she saw Jesus and it didn't make sense. I used to work at ESD, a electric supply wholesaler, and we had, we had an Asian guy who would come in and his name was Jose Wong. And he would come in, he would start speaking Spanish to me and my head just went, it just doesn't make sense. Until you find out that like, there's a lot of Asian people in Mexicali. But I didn't know that. I just knew this guy's name was Jose Wong, and it messed with my head. So here's Mary. She's looking for a dead guy. And Jesus starts talking to her, and she still doesn't put it together. She thinks he's the gardener. Now, I don't know if Jesus was like, standing there with a shovel or a, a rake or something, but I don't know. Jesus was out of context for her, but she learned a very important truth. Like us, Mary had to learn that Jesus is always present even when he's invisible to the naked eye. Just because she didn't recognize Jesus doesn't mean he wasn't there. He was there. We talked a minute ago about going through trials and, and, and all the things that happen to us. And just because you don't see Jesus doesn't mean he's not there. Doesn't mean he's walked away and forgotten you. That's important for us. In fact, I would think that the Lord is often closest to us when we feel the most alone. If we will go to him. If we will go to God the Father. You know, think again, Things happen and we think God's abandoned us. God hasn't abandoned us. We've abandoned God sometimes. We've forgotten his promises. We've forgotten his grace. We've forgotten his mercy. But he's never left us alone. 
Notice what Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? He didn't ask her, what are you looking for? He said, who? Who are you looking for? Mary was looking for a what? Mary was looking for a dead body. A dead body is a what? Jesus said, no, you need a who, not a what. And it's the same thing is true for us. The answer to our deepest needs is not something but someone. The Lord Jesus Christ. And again, let me tell you something. If you've got needs today, you don't need a bigger bank account. You don't need a newer car. You don't need a bigger house. You, you, don't need, you need someone, not something. Somehow we get the idea that if we just had the right something, everything would be fine. And then we get that something and we realize, nah, there's still more. After the Cowboys won the Super Bowl, Deion Sanders said that he fell into a deep depression after the Super Bowl was over with. And they had won. And the reason he fell into the depression was because he thought that would be the thing that completed his life. And he realized he didn't do anything. There was still that hole. There's still that vacuum in his life. What he needed was Jesus. And he found him. And that's what filled up the hole. Let's look at John chapter 20 again. Verse 16. Mary, Jesus said, she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, well, I've seen the Lord. And she gave them his message. He calls her, Mary, he remembered her name. He knew her name. She calls him teacher. You ever get those, those feelings when that special someone says, you know, calls you by their pet name? My wife says, hey, stupid, and I just, I feel a warm and fuzzy inside. She was yelling at one of the dogs the other day, you idiot! And I went, aww. <laughs> Makes me feel so good. Somebody calls you sweetheart. Ooh, sweetheart. The first time my grandson said grandpa. Oh man, I'd have bought him a car right then. In fact, we're driving, we're driving one day. I'll never forget this as long as I live. Driving the car out of the blue, Soren says from the back seat, Grandpa, I love you. <laughs> I almost went off the road. It just filled me up with love and and just I would do anything for that kid. Jesus looked at her and says, Mary, what do you think went through her mind? What went through her, her emotions as she realized Jesus called her by name? He says, I'm here. I'm back from the dead. You don't have to cry anymore. 
How powerful must that have been? She knew his voice. Took her a second. She knew his voice. And he knew her name. The relationship was there. And then he has to tell her, hey, hey, don't hang on. Because what do you think she did? I think she looked at, at Jesus and she realized her Savior is, is, is alive. And she went, oh, well, well, Jesus, it's quite nice to see you. I really did not expect this, Lord. What do you think she did? She probably jumped on him, grabbed him, hung around, around. Don't go again. What's wrong with you? Don't leave. But he said, I got to go. He said, I can't stay here. I've got to go ascend to the Father. And then he says something really cool. He says, go back and tell the brothers that I'm going to my Father and your Father. I'm going to my God and your God. Remember, the Israelites, the Jews came up with the idea of the God of our father Abraham, the God of our father, the gods of our fathers, or the God of our fathers, the God of, of, of Isaac. Jesus said, no, he's our father. That's why the Lord's prayer starts, our father who is in heaven. That's the first time God is ever referred to as our father. Jesus isn't going to be around anymore but our Father is here with us. In fact, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us, lives inside of us, and helps us. We always say, you know, I, I, I knew in the back of my mind I shouldn't do that. Yeah, it's the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, numbskull, don't do that. I, I wonder sometimes why, again, I've told you before, it's a good thing I'm not God because things would be a lot different around here, that's for sure. I would give you one opportunity. I would tell you, don't do that, and then I would, like, turn you into a frog. I'm not messing with you. I would, you ever, <laughs> you ever, when your kids do something stupid and you tell them not to, hey, don't do that, that's going to hurt. And then they keep doing, oh, all right. You just got to step back and watch the show. Today, we would whip out our cell phone. Well, my kids were a little way didn't have cell phones. But yeah, we just like, okay, I'm going to record this because this is going to get me $10,000 on America's dumbest humans or whatever it is. <laughs> the youth group convinced Isaac to go down the hill. We lived on this big hill in Lakeside to go down the hill in his big wheel. He's a little guy. And they convinced him to do it, and I said, okay, Isaac, but that's a big hill. He got down to the bottom of the hill. When he came back, his eyes were as big around as pythons, and he said, I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> okay. How many times has, has God had to do that to us? Hey, don't do that. Don't. You know that's going to lead to bad things. Don't do it. People are like, oh, I'm going to do it anyway. I'll do what I want. All right. I wonder if, I wonder if it, in heaven we're going to be forced to watch videos of the really dumb things we've done. I really hope not because, man, I would be a highlight reel for sure. 
But that's the Holy Spirit that dwells inside us. And, and if Jesus doesn't go to the Father, we don't get that. See, again, Mary had what she wanted. But Jesus knew that it can't be that way. Mary wanted everything to be as it was. But she didn't realize he had so much more for her and us. If Mary had gotten her way, we would be lost. If if Jesus had given in and said, you know, Mary, I know you love me. And I know my mom doesn't want me to go either, so I'm just going to stick around. Then we don't have any hope. We're lost. Jesus had to leave her. He had to ascend to the Father. In fact, Jesus had to leave the few so he could save the many, which includes all of us. Sometimes the good of the, the, good of the many outweighs the good of the few. On that morning, Mary could touch him. Today we all can. Because he ascended to the Father. Sometimes we have to say goodbye to the good in order to get God's best. Some of you are facing decisions right now and you know what you think would be best, but you feel but there may be more there. You take God into those, into those considerations? Do you look and ask, do you pray and ask God what God would have you do? Because sometimes we settle for our good, and God has the best waiting for us. Lynn and I were talking about that this week. If we had gone with our original plan, I would still be working at the sheriff's office. She would still be working at social services. We would both be stressed out of our minds because of our jobs. And instead, when God opened a door for us, we walked through it, and it's amazing. See, we had good jobs, but God had something better in plan for us. We had good plans that would have worked, but God had something so much better for us. And, and I look at it, and, and every now and then I think, oh, Lord Jesus, thank you that I wasn't hard-headed this time. This time, because I have been before. So Mary goes and she tells the disciples what Jesus said. Can you imagine the disciples? This crazy woman starts running. They're hiding for their lives. And they were. They thought that, that the, the, the Jewish leaders were going to come after them next. So they're hiding. Mary comes running in and says, I've seen the Lord. Yeah, you went to his tomb. He was dead. Yeah, we, okay, you saw him. We're going we're gonna to go see him in a little bit. No, no, no. I saw him. He's alive. And they all looked and went, come on. You're, you're not very smart. But something convinced them. And they go running. And guess what they find? An empty tomb. Mary was right. It's not till too much later where Jesus actually appears to them inside the room. Can you imagine what that was like? You're standing there, you, you, you went from the depth of despair, and now you got hope, and like, man, I don't know what's going to happen. Mary said she, she saw him, and, and then all of a sudden he says, hey guys, got any Dr. Pepper? There he was. 
Can you imagine the joy they felt? But like her, they had forgotten. But Mary saw him as an eyewitness. Mary saw it with her eyes. There is great power in the words of someone who can say, I was there, I saw it, I heard it. I'm giving you an eyewitness account. I love this story. Church of Bangladesh was showing the Jesus film to an audience filled with people who had never heard the gospel of Jesus before. Little kids sat in the front and in the aisles, the adults stood in the back. As the story of Jesus' crucifixion unfolded, there were tears and audible gasps. As the people watched, one young boy suddenly stood up and he says, Don't be afraid, he gets up again. I saw it before. (laughs) Don't worry, he gets up again. You know what? That's, That's our lives too. We get down. We start thinking that we're lost. Hey, guess what? I've seen this movie before. Jesus gets up again. We need to remember that. When, when, when you're going through tough times, you're going through all the things that are, that are hurting you, just remember, you've seen this before and God's come through. That's faith. David Seamans tells of a Muslim in Africa who became a Christian. When his friends asked him why he made that decision, he told them, suppose you were going down a road and suddenly the road forked in two directions. You didn't know which way to go. Then you saw two men at the fork. One was dead and one was alive. Which one would you follow? I followed the one who was alive. And we all have that opportunity today. We followed the man who's alive. You really want to know if Christianity is true? Find the religion that says that they're Their person rose from the dead. It's only Jesus. Not reincarnated, not, you know, not transmogrified, rose from the dead. It's Jesus. Jesus and him alone. That's how we know we're on the right path. We get to choose the path with the one who's alive. We get to choose the path that says, I serve a risen Savior. That old great hymn of the church, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is risen, no matter what men say. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Love that song. I serve a risen Savior. I don't have any crosses with Jesus that have, like, Jesus on them because Jesus isn't on the cross. He's not in a tomb anywhere either. He's alive. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Can you say I've seen the Lord? Obviously not with your eyes, but with your heart. Have you seen the Lord? 
Is your life turned over to him? Are you asking him daily for strength, for guidance? Are you making him the Lord of your life, the one who's in charge? Can you truly say to Jesus, my Lord and my God? See, there are a lot of people who want to say Jesus is their Savior. But how many of us say that he's my Lord? You understand the difference? Savior is one who saved you. Lord is the one who calls the shots. The Lord is the one who says what goes. And I know people that have said, oh, I I gave my heart to Jesus years ago. Yeah? Are you following him? Because you may have made him your Savior, but if you haven't made him your Lord, man, are you missing out on stuff. Man, is your life less than it could be. It always amazes me. People will, people will, will come down and they'll, they'll ask Jesus into their heart and then try and live the way they used to live. It doesn't work that way. If, if I, I, I used this before. And I, if you met a guy and, and he, he was homeless and he's in rags and he's all dirty and he says, I want a million dollars. You'd be like, okay, whatever, Sparky. You see that same dude a week later? He hops out of a Ferrari. He's wearing an Armani suit. You look at him and say, oh, that dude won a million dollars. He found a million dollars. Why? Because something changed. If you've been trying to just kind of keep Jesus at arm's length, you're still in your rags, man. There's a Ferrari waiting for you. There's a nice suit. And you're missing out on it. You're missing out on joy. You're missing out on peace. You're missing out on on all of the things that God wants to give you. And if that's you today, and you've just been dabbling around the edges of Christianity, maybe you've never accepted Christ at all, today's your day. You're here for a reason. In fact, I put that next screen up on the board. You don't have to pray this word for word, but if you don't know what to say, this is a good start. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I confess without your grace, I'll never go to heaven. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for me. Thank you for taking my punishment, dying in my place. I believe you rose on the third day. With all my heart, I trust you as my Savior and Lord. Come into my heart and save me now. I gladly receive your gift of salvation. So easy. We want to make salvation so hard. We want to, you know, you have to have the right posture and you got to, you know, you got to speak in King James English. Hallelujah. It's so simple, yet so profound. You ever realize that I think sometimes the most simple things are the most profound? And the most profound things are simple? This is all it takes to get your life going. This prayer right here, this is the reason we're here. This is why Jesus died. This is why he rose again. 
so that not only could we say these words, but so that it would transform our lives. See, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, those words don't mean anything. But because he did, they mean everything. In a minute, the band's going to come and play one more song. As they do, Victor, can we leave this up for a minute while you guys start playing? I want to leave this on the screen. And you don't have to pray this prayer exactly. I'm not a big memorized prayer guy. But if you need some help, it'll be here for a couple of minutes. Please, please do not leave here today without praying that prayer. And I don't mean just to make Jerry happy. Oh, I'm going to pray because Jerry said I should. No. No, pray it for you. Pray it for you. I don't count on this. It's you. It's your life that God will improve. It's your life that God will bless. It's your life that gets its sins forgiven. It's you. I'm asking you to be dead-level selfish. Don't do this for anybody but you. Don't do it for your girlfriend or your wife or your husband or anybody else. Do it for you. Why? Because right now, you're the one that matters. We'll work on all the rest of them later, maybe. But right now, you're the one that matters. And don't worry about what any else, anybody else is going to think. Well, if I pray their prayer, then my, you know, what's my husband going to say? We don't care. I'm causing rifts in marriages. No. Because here's the thing. Once they see the change that Jesus makes in your life, they'll want it to. This is good stuff. And it's time. The video that we right before I preached said the time is now. And it is. Father, thanks. God, you love us so much. You've given us so much, God. Right now, Lord Jesus, our lives are in your hands. I pray that right now your Holy Spirit is touching hearts. If you're a Christian here this morning, please pray with me right now that the Holy Spirit will begin working in the hearts of those that are, that are not Christians right now, that aren't saved. Oh, God, you want to do so much in us and through us. How many times have you looked at us wandering around and thought, I could help you if you would just ask. God, help us to ask today to put our trust and our hope in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This morning, the prayer's on the board. What are you going to do?
What are you going to do? You can walk out of here confused and, and hurting, or you can walk out of here with hope. It's your choice. I can't make you. If I could, I would. You'd be certain of that. God wants to do something great in you. As we sing this last song, stand with me if you would. And go to the Lord. And if, you, if you're a Christian today, then pray that God will give you the, the, the strength to show other people His grace and His mercy. To give them the hope that He's given you. See, we all stand at the risen Savior's cross. We stand at his tomb and we say, okay, this has a responsibility with it. And that's the responsibility God gives us. He loves us so much. It's time, guys. It's time. I love you. God bless. You've been listening to a presentation of Remnant. For more information, visit us online at remnantchurchiv.com. You build a mighty fortress, 10,000 burdens high. Love is here to lift you up.